0: COVID-19 Vaccinations from the Provider Perspective, a conversation with Dr. Lisa Costello. Um, Welcome on this episode of our podcast. We're talking with Dr. Lisa Costello, a lifelong West Virginian who hails from Weirton, West Virginia. Dr. Costello wears a lot of hats in the medical arena. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics at West Virginia University in Morgantown and a pediatric hospitalist at WVU Medicine Children's Hospital. Dr. Costello currently serves as the president of the West Virginia chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, vice president of the West Virginia State Medical Association and serves on the board of directors for the West Virginia Children's Health Insurance Program. Dr. Costello is also an advisor to the state of West Virginia around the COVID-19 pandemic response. And at a national level, she's a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on State Government Affairs. So welcome, Dr. Costello, and thank you for joining us today to talk a little bit about your experience with the COVID-19 vaccine.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Right. Um, So to get us started, uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've experienced in terms of the willingness of people to get the COVID-19 vaccine? Um, You know, I hear a lot about vaccine confidence these days. And can you tell us what it means to use that term vaccine confidence and how that plays into people getting the vaccine?
1: We've really seen a wide spectrum of vaccine confidence. I like to refer to it as vaccine confidence. Sometimes people frequently say, vaccine hesitancy. I think it's really more a discussion that needs to be had surrounding vaccine confidence and vaccine confidence is the extent to which individuals are motivated or willing to get vaccinated. It's very complex and context specific. Individuals have different reasons for having confidence in their, uh, in their, willingness to get vaccinated and this really varies across time place and depending upon which vaccine we're talking about and it gets in, it's influenced by many different factors an individual's perceived risk their access to the vaccine safety effectiveness and the opinions of others and so when we talk about vaccine confidence it's really a continuum where you have individuals that are flat out going to refuse and then you have people on the other side, which is where I think I fall, which is really high demand that, you know, I trust the science that I will will get vaccinated. And then there's a big group in the middle and they have different terms, you know, the the movable middle, if you will. And and they kind of have varying rays of acceptance. And those are individuals that really need likely more information to help make informed decisions for them, themselves and their families. And that's where I think as physicians in the healthcare community, we can really play an important role in getting information to the public to help further build vaccine confidence. Because we know that there are some individuals that will likely never choose to be vaccinated, but there is a whole other range of individuals who are on the fence and they need more information. They need answers to their questions to help them make an informed decision to be vaccinated.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I imagine that there are levels, kind of like what you mentioned, levels or layers to vaccine confidence. Um, You know, at this point, the CDC recommends that the vaccine, um, everyone 12 years of age or older get the vaccine. Um, So since you bring perspective from a pediatric standpoint, can you talk about your thoughts and kind of the general medical uh, consensus around children and adolescents getting this vaccine?
1: As a pediatrician, I certainly, and and I personally have cared for children who have been hospitalized with COVID-19. And for whatever reason, this disease seems to not be as severe in children, but I think we have to be careful when we we talk about it that way, because unfortunately there have been children who have died from COVID. Uh, COVID was one of the top 10 leading causes of death in children last year. We also have seen children hospitalized, and we are starting to learn and see more and more the long-term impact of COVID-19 and the health impact that can have for for months or years to come. I think it is very important that uh, parents and and teens themselves uh, look at vaccination and and look at the science and choose to be vaccinated. We also are keeping an eye on the variants because I think that's very concerning as we see the virus itself change. Uh, It very much is, is worrisome because as we've already seen, some of the variants are more impactful on younger aged individuals, so individuals under age 30. So although the original kind of strain of the virus, we saw that significantly impact the older population we've seen over time with variants That the younger population get more severe disease and so that makes vaccine availability and access uh, to the younger population even more important.
0: Let's talk a little bit about reaching vulnerable and minority populations. Um, How important is it to get strong local support in these communities when it comes to encouraging people to get the vaccine?
1: Well, I think we want to make sure that we're providing access to all individuals, and certainly we need to be doing, I think, even additional concerted efforts for minority and vulnerable populations. Our data shows us that throughout the pandemic that there has been a disproportionate impact on uh, people of color. I think a lot of times we talk about vaccine confidence, and that certainly plays into the role. But as I mentioned earlier, vaccine confidence also has to do with someone's perceived access to the vaccine. So if individuals don't feel they have access to the vaccine, that may make their confidence less because they think that the vaccine is not available to them. We need to do a a good job or a better job of ensuring that for those individuals who want to be vaccinated, there is availability to them and try to make access easier. A lot of the times it really is uh, there's barriers to get vaccinated. Maybe you don't have transportation. Maybe you don't have childcare. Uh, maybe you have a job during the times that the vaccine are available. So by providing better access and educating at the local level where the vaccine is available is an important part of our entire vaccine rollout um, or initiative here in the United States and really around the world. So I think it's going to take those local trusted leaders to help share that information. I still meet individuals that don't know where they could get a vaccine. And so many a times that might be they haven't come across the the different types of information that's out there, or perhaps maybe somebody hasn't asked them. And so I think it's gonna be important as a healthcare community that we are asking individuals at the different stages that they come in contact with the healthcare system you know, what questions do you have about COVID 19 vaccine? Have you been, have you chose to be vaccinated? Have you been able to be vaccinated? And if not, really start from a place of listening and try to answer questions. And many of the times it may just be getting them connected to a place where they can have vaccine. Hopefully, as the vaccine rollout continues, that will be right in their health professional's office, but then also providing the information as to the other location that vaccination is available, particularly with this vaccine, because in the beginning there was such limited supply. We knew that the larger population would need to be vaccinated and and always tried to educate on the importance of when the vaccine is available to you, we hope you choose to be vaccinated. Um, But there was such a limited supply at the beginning of this rollout. Now we've seen the supply increase so that there are availability out there for individuals And so we don't see the different stipulations before that we saw. And as we discussed previously, now we have vaccines authorized for use for 12 and above. We anticipate more vaccines will uh, continue to be authorized for younger age groups, and we continue to see the supply increase. So I think it's going to be incredibly important when we talk about reaching everyone, including vulnerable minority populations, that we get local support in the communities. And really we've seen that in the the state that I practice, West Virginia, where we've taken a whole of community approach to really understand and put it at the community level. But we always are gonna have more work to do to to reach even those further vulnerable populations to, to make inroads in those communities with trusted leaders that individuals go to for information. And we have to ensure that they have the information to provide to members of their community.
0: You know, in thinking about the need for local support in rural invul- and, or vulnerable populations, and you kind of touched on this already, um, talking about the strategies that we should consider when sending out messages about the COVID-19 vaccine to patients and community residents. Um, do you have any other thoughts on those strategies? And similarly, what would you recommend to providers to be cautious about when communicating with these populations about the vaccine?
1: I think it's important that there's a few key messages that individuals deliver for for everyone. And certainly, as we just spoke about that local uh, leader, we have seen here in our state that that data we have, as well as national data, has been consistent, really, from the beginning of the vaccine rollout, that a local health professional is the trusted voice that individuals um, have in regards to getting their health information a few key topics to really understand, because what we have seen consistently across the board are there are certain areas that individuals have more questions about. And so confidence in the vaccine development process and safety has really been a consistent uh, question that we've seen individuals have across the board. So I think understanding how the vaccine was developed, how it was was tested through the clinical trials. Now we've had millions of individuals be be vaccinated as the vaccines have been authorized for youth. And so I think understanding and emphasizing that these vaccines are safe. Uh, I was vaccinated back in December. I'm doing really well. There's, you know, many individuals who have now been been vaccinated in the local communities, but emphasizing that safety as well as the effectiveness of the vaccine is a really important conversation to have. And then I think again removing those barriers these vaccines are free i think a lot of people uh, many times think that there might be a cost associated with the vaccine the vaccine is free and i think it's really important that although that a, a charge can be applied for the vaccine administration itself that is covered so individuals these vaccines are are free of cost and also that access issue that we talked about that the vaccine is Available, I heard early on in this. I don't want to get vaccinated. I want to uh, let the people who are perhaps more vulnerable choose to be vaccinated. When we had a limited supply, that's certainly very noble, and and every state took a different approach, looking at who within their population is most vulnerable, and really tried to outreach to get that those communities vaccinated uh, efficiently and and quickly initially. But now that we've seen supply grown, there's really available access uh, for. Uh, more individuals and above 12 and older right now, and we certainly anticipate younger age groups getting eligibility. So I think it's really important that we educate to remove any barriers or perceived barriers that people may have. And then I also think it's important to emphasize hope and optimism. Uh, I vividly remember back to the day when the vaccines were authorized, and kind of the the few days that uh, w- transpired thereafter to when we were able to administer. The first vaccine in the state of of West Virginia. And I just remember seeing so many people be hopeful on my social media or just in talking to individuals that this really could be how we turn the tide on the pandemic. And that's really what we've seen as more people have chosen to be vaccinated, as we've been able to get a larger percentage of our communities vaccinated. We've seen the disease burden go down. We've seen hospitalizations decline, we've seen deaths decline, and we've seen individuals start getting back to to more regular life. And so I think it's that is uh, another tribute to vaccines, but we can't let our guard down. We have to ensure that as many people as possible choose to be vaccinated so that we can continue to turn the tide on this pandemic. And I think it's also important to emphasize that still at the end of the day, this is a choice. Individuals need to get the information about the vaccines and make an informed decision for themselves and their family based upon the science and the evidence that we have available. So I think when I'm talking to providers, particularly whether it's reaching vulnerable minority populations, but at that community level, it's going to be really important to start in a place of li- listening and empathy and hear the questions they have, but understanding the information that's out there, uh, emphasizing the safety, the effectiveness of the vaccine, that this vaccine protects you and those around you, uh, and that you know that really the access is much better now. Uh, it's a free vaccine, and that really it is a time to continue to be hopeful and optimistic as we continue to turn the tide on this pandemic.
0: and you know the information that we receive you know, about something really impacts what we ultimately think about it or the action that we take based on that information. Um, So in thinking about all the information that's out there right now about the COVID-19 vaccine, what are some ways that we can, that you think we could better identify and kind of help overcome the false information that's being spread through sources like social media, for example?
1: The internet, social media, I am a self-professed hashtag tweetiatrician. I'm very engaged on social media. I think it can be a great platform to share information, to gain information. But we know throughout, whether it's the internet or it's social media, that there, there can be misinformation. So I think it's incredibly important to get information from trusted sources. I mentioned vaccinate.wv.gov. That's a state website that has information available. The Centers for Disease Control, the Department of Health and Human services at the national level and their We Can Do This campaign, but also other organizations such as the American Academy of Pediatrics, which I serve um, as the president of our chapter here in West Virginia, also involved nationally. But they really have trusted uh, information, trusted sources where they have expertise in particular area, whether it's pediatrics and it's coming to children and, and its impact And then I think it's important for us as healthcare professionals that when we're talking to whether our patients or even our communities about COVID-19 vaccines, please don't repeat the misinformation. It's more so getting at what is the underlying question that an individual has and use our information to help address that so that we're not further uh, propagating myths or rumors that we know exist, but instead we're sharing unbiased factual information we have available based upon the science.
0: Could you maybe list some of these top fact-based recommendations or sources of information that healthcare providers or even individuals themselves could use to learn more and kind of encourage that vaccine confidence?
1: I think always going to your health professional is a recommendation that your individual that you trust that knows your, uh, your health background is an important individual to seek information out from the state of West Virginia has done uh, robust, robust education. Um, and right now, many of those resources are available at vaccinate.wv.gov at a federal level, the centers for disease control, the FDA, when we're talking about the vaccine development process and safety, there's many resources available there. Uh, Nationally at the HHS, the We Can Do This campaign uh, has a great deal of information out there uh, for uh, in a variety of languages, in a variety of ways. Some people learn more better from a visual perspective. They have written materials, uh, audio materials. And so those are, are some of the national resources that I always point individuals to. And then depending upon which population you're interested in, there are many different health organizations that have information. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, there's many other, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, Many of the national medical groups have uh, information available when it comes to vaccine for the different populations that they serve. And those uh, are many times been reliable and what I find trusted sources of information, depending upon what question you may have.
0: You know, Dr. Costello, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. You've provided some really valuable insight um, from the healthcare provider's perspective. Um, and we just really thank you for that. Well, thank
1: you so much for having me. Appreciated the opportunity to, to chat with you. Vaccination is the, the safest way forward that we have uh, to continue to turn the tide on the pandemic. So thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you so much. For the listeners out there, um, you can connect with Dr. Costello on Twitter um, at LisaCostelloWV. You can also connect with her on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can check out our other interviews in this series on COVID-19 vaccinations by visiting our website at wwwqualityinsights qinorg